Today I'm going to be reading Mark 7, 31 through 37. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they brought him to a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Thank you, Gabrielle, and you may be seated, everybody. Good evening, and welcome to Disciples Church. We had a beautiful day today, yes? Everybody get to be outside and enjoy it? Awesome. Well, my name is Dave Hohn. We are very, very glad that you have joined us. Incredibly privileged to have you here with us in worship. Um, Speaking of privilege, the privilege is mine tonight to be able to open God's Word with and for you. We're continuing in Mark 7. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, um, the verses that Gabrielle just read for us, Mark 7, 31 through 37, is where we will be tonight. I talk a lot. Some people think I talk too much. They're probably right. (laughs) Because I talk a lot, though, it kind of freaks people out when I'm quiet. People will ask me if I'm okay, if there's something wrong, and usually I am okay, and there is nothing wrong. I'm just being quiet, because sometimes I do that. (laughs) I discovered a few years back at a conference that I am what's classified as an ambivert. I don't generally like labels or boxes to put people in, but I thought this particular box someone tried to put me in was interesting. And like me, you may not have heard the word ambivert before. Who's heard the word before? Okay, just a few of us. So good. The good news is I have definitions for you today. It is more likely that you have heard the words extrovert and introvert. Who has heard those words? Okay, good. So in general, if you don't know, extroverts are people who are energized by big social gatherings and meeting new people. It just fires them up. They get all excited and it gives them all kinds of energy. And whereas introverts have to use their energy to accomplish those same things. And at the end of it, they're usually just drained. So for one group, it gives them energy to meet new people and to be in a big gathering. And for other people, it just drains them. And ambivert is someone who's right in the middle kind of a blend of being an extrovert and an introvert. That's kind of where I am. And just to give you an example of how that plays out in my life, if I had to choose tonight between going to a party, let's not make it tonight because it's Sunday. If I had to choose on a Friday night to go to a party or to stay home and chill out, six times out of ten I'd stay home. Six times out of ten I'd stay home. That's kind of an ambivert thing. I really do love talking to people most of the time, but I don't need to. It doesn't energize me necessarily. In fact, there are times that I need 
not to. Occasionally, I will take a day off of work. You can ask my wife about this. Occasionally, I will need to take a day off of work just to be alone and not talk to anyone. I realize I need that. Which makes the fact that God lets me stand up here and talk to you guys as often as I do somewhat ironic. So who has heard this saying? God has given us one mouth and two ears for a reason. Who's heard it? Who knows the answer? That's right. Symmetry is the wrong answer. (laughs) The, the, The... uh, yes, CJ is right. It's to, so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. That is very likely not why God gave us two ears and one mouth, but it's cute. <laughs> Assuming that it is true, I am actively working on getting that ratio right in my life, and I tend to be, honestly, as you would imagine, a bit lopsided, but to the other side. I probably talk twice as much as I, as I listen. But I think we all struggle to strike a good balance as it relates to our listening and our speaking. Some of us are just too self-involved or excitable to quiet down and listen to someone else. And there are others of us that are too timid or shy or inward to share from the depths of our souls with someone else. But for most all of us, our struggle, wherever we land on that spectrum, to find that balance is not a physical one. Our problem isn't physical. There's nothing wrong with our tongues or our ears. Our problem, to the degree that we have one, lies within. But in today's passage, we meet a man who has the exact opposite problem. His issue is a physical one until he meets Jesus. So beginning in verse 31, We read, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. So today's passage begins with Jesus returning from Tyre and Sidon where he was, well, we read about that last week. He wasn't there last week. (laughs) That's, That's what we read about last week. And he was coming to a region called the Decapolis on the way to the Sea of Galilee, which is really his home turf. That's where he spent most of his time. And this is still a Gentile territory, the Decapolis. In fact, it is the same territory, if you've been around, where Jesus encountered the demoniac and sent the demons who possessed that man into a herd of pigs from Mark 5. This is that same region. And here's why that is significant, because in Jesus' healing and teaching in Gentile territory, and there are two stories that we've had now, this one included, we are beginning to see shadows of the reality that you and I now live in. And it doesn't seem unusual to us, because to some degree it's the air we breathe, but you have to understand how unusual this would have been at this time. The idea that God is inviting everyone into his kingdom, that Jesus is touching the untouchables and going to those who would otherwise defile you. It was radical for that time. Everyone is welcome into God's kingdom is what Jesus is saying in and through these things. Male and female, 
slave and free, Jew and Gentile. Do you know that Jews would walk around Gentile cities for fear of defiling themselves? And here Jesus is walking into them. Friends, all are welcome into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ is what these passages are telling us. And these short yet infrequent journeys that Jesus took into Gentile territory represent the expanse of God's salvation plan, much to the surprise of both Jew and Gentile. Now, it's no great stretch to assume that whoever the they are in verse 32 they had heard about Jesus' reputation to heal, most likely directly from the formerly demon-possessed man that we read about in Mark 5, the man that we last saw telling everyone in this region all that Jesus had done for him. So it's been a little bit since he's been there, and now he's returning. And those who had heard the story from this demon-possessed man are now bringing this deaf and speech impediment man to Jesus. And it makes sense that this group of people in verse 32 would want Jesus to do the same for this man that he had done for the demon-possessed man. And curiously, the manner with which they came to Jesus is similar to that of the Syrophoenician woman we met last week. In Tyre and Sidon, Jesus encountered a Greek-speaking, pagan, Gentile woman with a demon-possessed daughter. And because that's who she was, or that's how people saw her, by all worldly measures, she should have not approached Jesus. But in her desperation and in her humility, she did. And as Jonathan mentioned last week, we have a lot to learn from her. That in coming to Christ, We must first recognize who we truly are apart from Him. That we are rebellious, sinful enemies of God in need of spiritual life and without hope. That's who we are apart from Christ. But at the same time, we need to approach Jesus recognizing who He is. Everlasting, eternal God, Savior, Lord, King, friend of sinners, and our only hope, our only hope. And friends, until we see ourselves as desperate sinners, incapable of saving ourselves, we will never see Jesus for who he truly is. And we will never come to him for what it is that he offers, a restored relationship with God, the forgiveness of all of our sin, and life everlasting. If we don't think we have need of saving, why would we approach a Savior? So as Jesus entered the Decapolis, the crowds brought to Jesus a man who could not speak or hear. And in verse 32, we see the posture and the attitude of those who brought him. Desperation. Desperation. Same as the Syrophoenician woman. Verse 32 says, They begged him to lay his hands on them. And as Jesus did with the woman, he knew what this man most needed, and he met him right where he was. 
to give him more than he would ever think to ask for. Because this man very likely simply just wanted to be able to speak and hear again. But Jesus had much, much more in mind. Jesus knew, as he did with all who approached him, that what afflicted this man was bigger than the physical. He wanted to give this man ears and a tongue that heard and spoke the things of God. It wasn't just about the physical healing. And do you realize that Jesus wants to do the same for you and for me? That he doesn't think our biggest problems are physical ones? Do you trust God to give you what it is that you most need, even if it's different than what you think you need? Verse 33, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. So it's not entirely clear as to why Jesus took this man aside or why he healed him the way that he did, but we do know that it is only one of two times in the Gospels where we see Jesus take someone aside privately to heal them. So to give you a picture of it, imagine a, a crowd of people, including the group of folks who brought this man, and Jesus taking that man and going somewhere privately while the crowd remained. We know that Jesus only did this twice, but in both occurrences, Jesus' manner of healing is similar. He touched and he spat. Those are the two common things. Now, on a human level, we might be tempted to read into what Jesus did, to look for formulas or methods to mimic so that we can do the things that Jesus did. It's how modern-day so-called faith healers and snake oil salesmen have made and continue to make a living by tricking people into believing that a certain set of words or a certain set of behaviors will bring about the desired outcome. That with the right key, we can unlock the power of God for our own benefit. There are all kinds of people who are traveling this world, traveling this nation, and have TV shows who are trying to trick people into believing that. But we just don't see evidence of that in Scripture. And it's not what is going on here. Of the many miracles recorded in the Gospels, we don't see spells or formulas or methodologies because Jesus was not and is not dependent upon the methods of man. Rather, he is dependent upon the sovereign power and will of God alone. That is what Jesus is dependent upon. And however that comes, whenever that comes, is what each of these miracles had in common. There are no boundaries with Jesus' healing. There are no limitations with Jesus' healing. He didn't even have to be in the same town to heal someone. He would tell others to go off and find their servant, their friend, their daughter, 
healed of whatever it was that afflicted them. Jesus healed some with a word, and he healed others without saying anything. He healed in response to the faith of the one who would ask, but he also healed in response to the faith of another. He healed those who asked him directly and those who approached unseen and without a word. Do you remember the woman who had the bleeding problem? She tried to sneak in there. And as we have seen this week and last week, Jesus heals both with his touch and without. And in each circumstance, there were three common denominators, God's power, God's compassion, and God's will. Still, I think I'd be doing you a disservice by not addressing the specifics of this healing as Mark describes them. So I will. We cannot know for certain from these texts, but by seeing and understanding the power and compassion of God in Christ in the Gospels, by knowing his character, it is likely that Jesus touched this man as he did to let him know in a way that he could understand that he was not unclean, that he was not unworthy, that Jesus knew what afflicted him, that he was dearly loved, and that true healing was on its way. And though this man could not hear Jesus' words, through his touch, Jesus spoke to him. Second, we can't know for certain from these texts, but it is safe to say that when Jesus looked to heaven, It was his way of pointing to his relationship with God from whom he received the power to cast out demons, to feed the hungry from nothing, to raise the dead, and to heal the sick. And in this gesture, Jesus wanted everyone to know this. What you are about to see is from God. What you are about to see is not about me, but it is from God. And finally... While we cannot know for certain from these texts, it is safe to say that when Jesus sighed, he groaned inwardly, even as his spirit prayed. As one who was fully God and fully man, Jesus experienced what Paul talks about in Romans 8, verses 22 through 23, and verse 26. I will read them for you. In Romans 8, verses 22 through 23, Paul writes, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And in verse 26 of that same chapter, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Have you ever wanted to pray and just couldn't think of what to say? Have you ever been so distraught that words didn't come to mind or come out of your mouth that you were so overwhelmed 
that all you could do was groan. The Bible tells us that the Spirit intercedes for us in those moments. And the Spirit was praying through Jesus in this sigh, this inward groan on behalf of this man. Because friends, Jesus feels the weight of the consequences of our sin as they play out in our fallen world. It's why Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb, though he knew that he would be raised again. And it's why Jesus groaned inwardly in the presence of this man, though he knew he was going to heal him. Jesus is not apathetic or indifferent to our suffering. Friends, it is he who most identifies with them. Do you know that there is no hardship or difficulty or suffering that you and I experience that Jesus has not known himself in all its fullness? God had originally made man and woman as physical and spiritual beings to live eternally in deep communion and deep union and joy with their heavenly Father, but then sin. We chose our own way and rebelled against God. We'll decide what's good and evil. And with that decision, came death and came suffering. So why do bad things happen? That's why. And that death and that suffering that came as a result of sin has come to us both spiritually and physically. And the aches, pains, disabilities, and afflictions that we feel and experience in our body and spirit, while often the result of our own decisions, are also evidence of a fallen world brought on by our desire to be God instead of Him. But, such a great word, but Jesus came to restore what is lost to heal our greatest hurts, to turn our groanings into songs of joy, and to make all things new, including this man's ability to hear and speak. But it wasn't Jesus' touch or his spit, his look toward heaven, or his sigh that brought healing. It was his command Ephatha, an Aramaic word that means be opened. Immediate change is perhaps one of the most astonishing parts of Jesus' miracles. It really identifies that it is a miracle of Christ because when Jesus spoke, when Jesus commanded, storms that raged would just stop They didn't pass over. When Jesus spoke and commanded, the dead walked out of their tombs. When Jesus spoke, lepers instantly lost their spots. The lame got up and walked home. And the deaf and the mute heard and spoke as if they always had. 
No physical therapy. No learning how to talk again. No balms, no ointments, no creams. No sniffing salts. Instantaneous. That's how miracles work. That's how miracles work. In this case, with a simple word. And the same voice that spoke all of creation into being, that told demons to leave, commanded storms to cease, and told the dead to be raised, also told ears that were shut to be opened, and a tongue that was held captive to be free. So friends, what, is, what command is Jesus speaking to you? What are your circumstances that you or they need to obey? Because demons and storms and the dead and the ears and the mouth of this man's body did obey. Even if the crowd standing around Jesus didn't. Verse 36, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. So in this story, we meet a man who has been unable to speak, though he had God's permission to do so. But after encountering Jesus and being healed by Jesus, the tables turn. Now he's able to speak but told not to. I would think the man would be thinking to himself, I have never said anything, and now with the most incredible thing to say, I have to be quiet? It seems (laughs) kind of cruel, doesn't it? I'd have a hard time obeying it. I would. And ultimately, we know that those who brought the man didn't obey it. We're not sure about the man who was healed, though. Of course, Jesus wasn't trying to steal the joy of the moment by commanding silence. We've talked a lot about this idea in this series because it's not the first time that Jesus has told people to be quiet after a miracle, even if it confuses us. And it is also not the first time that the command was disobeyed. Friends, Jesus isn't interested in acclaim or crowds that looked for the signs and miracles. That's not what he was interested in. He wasn't interested in attention from those who sought to do him harm at a time not appointed by God. And even more than all of that, Jesus wasn't interested in people following him for what he could give them. Who he was And what he came to do was not yet fully known, and he did not want to be known as only a healer or a miracle worker. Rather, Jesus wanted people and was looking for people who wanted to follow him for who he is. Like the 12, and like you and I. He's still looking for people like that. Friends, we as the church misrepresent Jesus when we present him as a means to an end and not the end itself. 
Yes, Jesus cares about what's broken in our lives and in the lives of those who are lost. Yes, Jesus wants to bless us richly. And yes, Jesus wants to heal what afflicts us. But none of those things will ultimately satisfy what we most long for. None of those things will fix the root problem. And none of those things will keep anyone from an eternity in hell. It is Christ, and it is Christ alone who does those things. And Jesus is enough. He is the goal. And He, my friends and brothers and sisters, is what we get. Christ is the prize. Jesus plus nothing is still everything. And conversely, everything without Jesus is nothing. Verse 37, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So Mark's language here regarding the crowd's reaction is stronger than he has used up till now. We've seen crowds amazed and we've seen crowds afraid, but Mark classifies this crowd as astonished beyond measure. Blown away. That's my paraphrase. And their declarations about Jesus emphasize Mark's characterization of them. He has done all things well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And by saying this about Jesus, they are not simply calling him a miracle worker or a healer. They are ascribing to Jesus the work and the personhood of God. He has done all things well is an echo of Genesis 131, which says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The second part of their declaration, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak, echoes Isaiah 35, in which Isaiah prophecies the coming kingdom of God, which was established in Christ's coming. Isaiah 35, five through six reads, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man leaps like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. God had long promised that his sovereign rule would one day come and in Christ it did even to the point of being known and seen and heard in Gentile territory. Because Jesus Christ came to be the savior of the world, not just the Jews. Yes, he first came to the Jews, having been a Jew himself, but salvation would not end with them. Rather, it would be through the Jews that the message of salvation in Christ was carried to the rest of the world, beginning with the 12 disciples and making its way all the way to Merton, Wisconsin in 2020. Nobody could have predicted that. Friends, the whole 
of the Old Testament pointed to a day where the kingdom of God and his Messiah would come. And these first seven chapters of the Gospel of Mark had shown us in what Jesus did, in what he said of himself, and in what others said about him that the long-awaited day has come. And God's kingdom now spans all peoples, all languages, all nations throughout history. Salvation is offered to everyone through faith in Christ. Jesus Christ as crucified and risen Son of God. Jesus Christ as Savior, Redeemer, and Lord. Not just a miracle worker. Not just healer. Not just a fixer of your problems. But God. And Jesus promises to heal what's broken in our spirits here on earth. And one day soon, he promises to heal everything else. Maybe in this lifetime, but for certain in the life to come. He can and he will do both. So after spending 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, Jesus returned to his hometown of Nazareth. And in Luke 4, we read this. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes... (laughs) of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, I bet. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In Jesus Christ, Isaiah 61, which is where this reading is from, was fulfilled in the hearing of those seated in a Nazarene synagogue. And in all those who heard and saw him while he was here on earth, and it remains fulfilled today in your hearing and in mine. So, are you suffering today? Are you desperate today? Are you held captive and oppressed? Jesus Christ knows, and he is enough. And his promise is to free you of those things, to heal you of those things. So come to him. Trust in him. Friends, Jesus came to give speech to those who could not speak and to give hearing to those who could not hear. But he also came to take it from those who would continue to refuse him. Friends, we are all blessed to have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, but have we truly listened? You hear the words, but have you truly believed? 
And if we have listened, and if we have believed, are we, like the crowds in the Decapolis, astonished beyond measure and declaring his goodness to a fallen world? Because Jesus died to forgive us all our sins, and he rose again to give us new life and his indwelling spirit to all who would love and trust in him so that we could spend all our days here on earth and on into eternity being with him, enjoying him, and giving him glory. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And whoever has a tongue to speak, let him or her speak of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we offer you our praise and thanksgiving. Praise because you alone are worthy of it, and thanks because we have done nothing to deserve your love, your forgiveness, and your life. For we who believe remind us that to the degree that we hear you, it is you who has given us ears. To the degree that we speak of you, it is you who have given us voice and something of eternal worth to proclaim. You have set us free and shown us great favor. For those who have not yet believed, give them faith and a mind and heart that responds to your call in their lives. And let the spiritually dead among us rise to new life in our midst today. When our hearts are afflicted and when Satan storms, when we suffer sickness or the world would frown, it is great joy to know that you see us, that you care for us, and that you, Jesus, are with us. So help us, Lord, to look at you and remember you Let your word encourage us that you are a sympathetic high priest, familiar with all our sufferings, and you know what we have need of before we ask. May we trust in you. Believe that you always have our joy and your glory in mind and humble ourselves enough to know that your ways are not our own, but are far higher. Let us find our rest in you, our God, Emmanuel, who saves, redeems us, lifts us, and carries us unto the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.